Welcome, everybody. It's the first Monday as we're recording and the first Tuesday of August that you're listening to the first episode of August by Icy Takes featuring Jeff and Big Dave. Jeff's on the other side of the of the webcam Skype session here and I'm on this side. So, Jeff, all the way over there on the interwebs, how are you? Oh, not bad, Dave. We're in the dog days of August. Uh, the trade deadline in baseball is coming past. And um, we're at the point now where we're just counting down to hockey season at this point. Hey, we, we still got playoffs coming up for baseball, too. Yeah, but that's like not for another like two and a half years for that to come around. Oh, you, you can it over there, okay? <laughs> you take you take your can, you find your mason jar, and you can it, all right? Yeah, okay, all right, all right. I was I was in a really excited mood until you just you know shot me down there. <laughs> All right, so what do we got on the docket for today? Well, we had the trade deadline, like you said, and that also means we don't have to pay attention to any waiver claims because the MLB was smart and decided to get rid of that. And now everyone's a little Ooh. more sane when it comes to keeping track of who goes where because it's over now. Where where people are is where they're at. Yeah, I think there's just like a few like, you know, your standard waivers, but like you can't make any trades or anything anymore. Like there's outright waivers now, right? Because um, there was so. still some, there was still some movement I think today, but like as far as like waving a guy to go make a trade to get other assets, you can only lose guys through waivers. Like you can't add through right, trade. Like- Right, like you, you can DFA players and then release them because they're terrible now. Right, Kevin Gosman, <laughs> Jung Ho Gung. <laughs> oh, by the way, yes, we have to bring this up. I I sent it to the Twitter. All um, right, do it now. Yeah, Jung Ho Gung, who if you go back into the archives at Icy Takes, um, we did our predictions for awards this year, and Dave decided to go with the drunk driver Jung Ho Gung, and. He was going to be the comeback player of the year, and Dave was singing his praises that we need to give this guy a second chance, and he's going to be turning around this year for the Buckos. Yeah, well, he got DFA'd today. Completely DFA'd, outright, outright released. So, Dave, you have anything to say for yourself on this? It was a good career until Chris Coughlin ruined his knee, and then he got drunk and out of the state, or out of the country, I should say. So it's Chris Coughlin's job to keep the, the bottle out of Jung Ho Gung's Hand while he's behind the wheel, because yeah. that's what ruined it. I don't think it's Chris Coughlin at all. I don't know that knee. That knee was an issue too. He was going to miss next season regardless. Uh, I have a tough time blaming somebody when you get arrested three times for drinking behind the wheel. We we can get into this later, but I just want to ask the question, and you can say yes, no, or I don't know. But how is it that the Pirates didn't even you know, go into detail with? Uh, trying to search his history and think maybe we shouldn't sign this guy because of the previous arrests. I agree with you. Like, happened with the Pirates. Because there has to be a background check, right, that like every team goes through yeah. like before signing a guy. like How do you not do your homework there and say, like, all right, so he's got a couple of these on there. Maybe Even if you do say, you know what, we'll take the hit, we'll sign this guy. You still have to be like, okay, let's kind of make sure we keep an eye on him. Like, let's not leave him by himself, or you know, let's get him someone that can take care of him while he's over here. If we had a television show, this is when we show the montage with the Sarah McLaughlin song of all the great home runs and fielding plays he had with the Pirates in 2015. Uh, were they really that? 
Yeah, 2015. I guess he had a pretty good year that year. Yeah, all until he got plantar fascia, according to Joe Madden. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what yep, that's yep. what happens when you get a cleat to bend your knee backwards. Yeah, yeah, that was. I I remember that play it was real ugly, real bad. Yeah. So, what, uh, which was worse? No bias here. Which was worse, the Chase Utley play against the Mets or the Junkro Gung play? I would say. Be, I would honestly say because it was during the playoffs, it would be the Chase Utley slide. I think the Chase Utley one's worse because he has no intention of going to the base there. At least Chris Coughlin right. is like at least yeah, in the, like Coughlin, in the runner's line. Yeah, like Coughlin didn't go out of his way. Like uh, right, but Chase I will Utley, say with the with the whole nation watching the game, that's why I think Gung didn't get as much attention as uh, who was playing short that day for the Mets. I can't remember. Oh, it was a big name too. I can't think of it either. Uh oh man. We'll, yeah, we'll just look it up on YouTube. We'll, we'll give up some homework to our listeners. All right, sounds good. Yeah, look it up, send us a message and tell us why we're stupid. Yeah, call us idiots. All right. All right, so anyway, Jeff, let's let's keep it with the pirates. Let's keep it with an angry tone here because oh, you sent me off. Um, oh, Tuesday. Boy, you guys are fighting it out at the Great American Ballpark. Tuesday. The Pirates and a was it an eight Eight-game losing streak or nine-game losing streak? I can't remember. I lost count. Yeah, honestly, there's too many to count at this point. Um, So the Pirates are in the midst of winning their first game in three years against the Cincinnati Reds, who are also the other bottom dweller in in the NL Central, but not as bad as the Pirates. And this team has always had a, had a history dating back to 2012 when... Aroldis Chapman threw an Andrew McCutcheon up in the shoulder area for no reason at 100 mile per hour back when it was okay to just hit players and it wasn't that big a deal and you weren't going to get a suspension for hitting a player for two plus games for no reason. Anyway, we go into this game and you know if you if you look up the 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 roster from the, the beginning from the beginning of the year you would recognize a name Keona Kella. He was. Slated to be the the Pirates, I believe, setup man, or at least one of the two setup man with him and Kyle Crick. And four blown saves and an injury later, Kella goes on the 60-day IL in April. He blew four saves in April, Jeff. Did you know that? Not good. Not good. He's not even the closer for the Pirates, and he blew four saves. Not good. Not, not, good. not good. Anyway, Keona Kella finally came back, but not until serving a two-game suspension handed down by the Pirates for uh, uniform violation. Uh, Still don't know what the exact details are. Kella doesn't even know what the exact details are. Anyway, he gets into his first game since April. And he looked pretty good at the first two batters. And he struck out one and got the other one to get out. I forget how. But the next batter is Derek Dietrich. Derek Dietrich, earlier this season was pimping home runs every time he was up to bat against the Pirates. I believe he had four at-bats in a row with a home run, three in one game, one to start the next game. And the Pirates, even the Pirates broadcasters, weren't happy with the the way he was, you know, pimping the home runs. Like, he should just run the bases and that's it and blah, blah, blah. Can you believe I'm actually taking the side of a Reds player here for a little bit? Yeah, the the one thing I will say about your little comment there about the the Pirates broadcasters, 
Um, and I know it's their job. They're a regional broadcast team. It's their job to kind of favor the Pirates. But they they kind of oversell the whole home job by the by the regional broadcast team. Um, because I guarantee if, if, if it was, you know, if it's Josh Bell that's pimping a home run, he does a bat flip, oh, he's having a great time, and Greg Brown does his little laugh and everything. So, um, and the ball coming. Yeah, so it, it, it's tough for me to to side with like the broadcasters there with the whole Dietrich thing because when it when the, everything's going all, all hunky dory for the Pirates, it's no problem. But as soon as somebody else does it, all of a sudden it's a big issue. So um, the the broadcasters, I 100% cannot get behind. Well, thank you for agreeing with me there. Anyway, that's not the issue at hand. Keanu Keller first pitch. Besides, there's still some business to deal with Derek Dietrich. Even though the next time Dietrich was up against Chris Archer, he got hit immediately. So that's it. And that was back at the end of May, Labor Day weekend, I believe. But Keona Kella said there was still some unfinished business. So who instigated this, Jeff? Like, there's more story here, but who instigated this? Um, I don't know. I, I would say it's more of, I don't know. If you, you don't want to get hit, don't, don't I'll act say, like, don't I'll act say like a you. jag off, I would say. I'll, I'll say it for you. It's Keona Kella. He started all this because two months ago, this, this was already settled. So there was no reason for any of this to happen. But Kella threw up a Dietrich, missed him, and you could tell he was going up and in, and it went over the head. So natural, naturally, whether he was intending to hit up there or not, you could say that media coverage may have over-sensationalized with how close he got up there, or maybe they were correct in calling out Kella with, you know, don't do that, you might kill a man. So let's move on to the eighth inning, and this is just filler at this point. Yasiel Puig doesn't like a pitch. He throws his helmet down on the ground, strikes a pose, he, to the umpire, David Bell comes out kicking and screaming because his team's down seven to three or eight to three at that point. He's then he gets ejected. By the way, it was his eighth ejection of the season for a team that's not even close to anything. He's gonna have Bobby Cox. Oh, I don't know. I don't. Right. I don't know about that, Dave. I don't know about that. I, like, that, that, that they're think, full. They're fully out of it, not playing for anything. Seven and a half for that team. I don't totally. know, man. David Bell will find a way to ruin that. Okay, all right. He'll, he'll get ejected for three games in a row just to hype up his team and protect his team. He all gets right. tossed. Yasiel Puig finishes the at-bat. Then we get into the ninth inning when you still have some bad blood with Kella, who, after striking out Dietrich, which I forgot to mention, was talking a little trash on the way back. Joey Votto didn't like it, trying to tell Kella, just walk off, you did your job, just leave. So, enter Jared Hughes in the in the ninth inning. Former, former pirate, pirate, yeah, former pirate Jared Hughes. Former pirate and former Brewer. He's going to play for every team in the Central, I believe it. Yeah, and okay. he comes in and first pitch hits Marte square on the butt and immediately gets tossed by the umpire. Jeff, do you think this is settled at this point after Keller threw at Dietrich? Absolutely not. It should have been. But it's not. You're correct. So Amir Garrett comes in, basically the the hothead version of David Bell, but a pitcher. And you no, know, Amir Garrett 
strikes out Josh Bell, talks a little trash, gives up two hits in a row, and then gives up a moonshot to Jose Osuna on a pinch hit. By the way, Jose Osuna hits pinch hit home runs, and that's it. I fully believe it. He's been amazing just stepping up there for pinch hit appearances. So then the next at-bat, Kevin Newman um, comes up. But before that, during the home run trot, I guess there's a little chirping from the Pirates dugout. Jeff, you should know a little bit about chirping with hockey, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, you chirp him, get him a little bit off his game, and, you know, hopefully serves a fat one up or something. I mean, that's that's part of sports. I don't think it's just hockey. I think it's in baseball. It's in football. It's in basketball. I mean, it's in everything. That's all guys do is chirp, whether it's your own teammates or even if it's the other team. So... Kevin Newman comes up, he grounds out, Amir Garrett uh, goes to cover the base, and I think he, I believe he like tags Newman instead of trying to tag the base, whatever, there's two outs now, one more batter to go, the the bench coach for the Reds, I don't know his name, I don't care to know his name, wants to pull Garrett, and right when Garrett hands in the ball, you see the the coach slap him on the butt, and Garrett tosses the glove up in the air and starts charging at the Pirates' dugout. And then the uh, the brawl at GABP started going down. And there was and this wasn't your typical push and shove match right at the beginning, Jeff. This there were some swings of flow in there at the beginning until it turned into the shoving match. Yeah, I mean, at one point Garrett was teeing off and went four Pirates at once. Yeah, it was. Pretty insane with uh, how many pirates were ready to go as Amir Garrett was Leroy Jenksoning the entire pirates dugout. It, he he literally, for as stupid as a, fight, a move as it was, it was one of the coolest things to do as a player, which is take on the entire team by yourself until everybody else joined you. Yeah, like that's because that's like he was towards like the middle of the of the rail too like it wasn't like he was near like the steps where like you're at a pretty close point from your own dugout like if you're picturing the steps where they like come up and down from after that bat or whatever he was more in the middle of the pirates dugout where like the rails at so his boys had had quite the run to get get over there to help him out so everybody's charging there the bullpens are clearing yasiel please ready to fight anyone at this point he didn't even know he was traded to the the Indians at that point. So the fact that he was on the field was surprising to me as well. And, you know, typical baseball fight until later on when David Bell, recently ejected David Bell, came out of the dugout, was running, and then all of a sudden you see him push Clint Hurdle, who was just kind of standing there monitoring the situation because Hurdle's not going to get in there with two fake hips. Also, no, not at all. He's he, he he had a tough time, like in 2015, going out to make a pitching change. Nonetheless, it was uh, it was his birthday that day too. Oh man, what 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 a birthday that is, huh? Yeah, end the losing streak and get into a fight and get pushed by David Bell, who after that David Bell was relentlessly calling Clint Hurdle and no need to censor this. You're a piece of shit, and he just kept repeating. Oh, that oh there towards you go, Clint Hurdle. So, after all the mayhem kind of calmed down, they br- the Reds bring in a new pitcher, they get the last out, the Pirates get the win, 11-3. to Nothing happened the next game, which was an afternoon game. 
But then all the punishments started to come out. So this is, and this is all off the top of my head, Jeff. Okay. Clint Hurdle gets two games because he was, he's on the team that has been accused of throwing up and in. So he gets two games for being the manager of that team doing that. Well, isn't he also responsible for his players too? And they look at the other suspension you're going to, you're going to throw out there. Spoiler, spoiler alert. Keon Kella gets 10 games for throwing high and in. Keona. Keona, whatever his name is. Um, but it, is that not where the two games come in? I don't even think it's necessarily because his team has been accused of that all year. I think it's more of we gave we gave his pitcher a 10-game suspension. How do we not give the manager something out of this? So yeah, I see your point there, but I also believe that guilty by association when it comes to this setting is not applicable. But you, you're allowed to disagree with me. That's fine. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you. So, yeah, that's the shortest suspension with Hurdle, and that's the longest suspension out of all of this. Keona Kella, who gets 10 games for throwing up and in towards Derek Dietrich, and might I add, also not hitting him. He he could have been ejected. I would have been fine with that, like, in the game, went at, right after that pitch on Dietrich, but he wasn't, and then continued pitching and struck him out. And then he was also accused of, you know, basically chirping the other team, even though he his claim was that he was in the shower and saw the fight ensue was get, ensue and getting out there and, and his shower shoes and trying to help out his teammates. Yeah, so the issue I have here is um, since, since we are a baseball and hockey podcast, um, in hockey, if you send a guy off the bench to go and get into an altercation, that is an automatic 10-game suspension in ink, no, not negotiable, can appeal at nothing. And you said, what did this guy get? He got, Keona Keller got 10 games. Yeah, what, what did the manager for the Reds get? Oh, oh, hold on, hold on. I want to finish the Pirates. Before, I, I saved oh, the so, best for last. <laughs> sorry, I thought you were talking about the Reds manager. I'm getting ahead of you, sorry. Uh, no, that's fine. Uh, two more suspensions for the the Pirates. Jose Asuna got five for basically throwing some big slugs, I think, at Amir Garrett. So I understand that. That's that's totally fine with me. And I think Kyle Crick got a couple swings in there, not as violent as Jose Asuna, and also got the, the ejection for chirping as well. So he gets two games or three games on his belt. Um, all the players on both sides appeal. We go to the red side. Amir Garrett gets eight games. Now, Jeff. Would you say that this particular fight started with Amir Garrett charging the Pirates' dugout? Um, Everything yeah, else I, happened before, but you'd think with Hughes hitting Marte, that, that basically ends it. You missed our guy, but we hit your guy. Let's just settle it right there. Yeah, no, I, see what, I, I 100% get what you're saying there. Um let me let me answer your question with a question. Are you okay with it if he gets ten and he gets the same as Kella? Yes. Okay. That I I, I think you and me see you see eye to eye on that. That if you're gonna give ten to one guy, you gotta give ten to the other guy. Exactly. So that's that's the one I'm I'm really mad about. Hurdle as well. Um Yasiel Pui got three games, but now he's an Indian, so that's hilarious in my mind. And yeah. I, I can't remember who the other Reds player is, but let's just 
jump into David Bell, who, like I said, charged from out of the dugout after being ejected to push Clint Hurdle and basically call him out and do it in a in a pretty ugly way as well. While this is like David Bell looks like he's late 40s and can still move pretty well, not on the field, but just in general. And Clint Hurdle has two fake hips and he's in his mid 60s and he's not going anywhere. And it looked like David Bell was going to kill him if he had the chance. And then after the game, kept saying that the game, the game of baseball needs to be cleaned up and this is unacceptable by the Pirates. So his version of cleaning up the game was going to be go out there and beat the beat the hell out of Clint Hurdle, what it seemed like. So here's my problem with this on on uh, David Bell here. Um, Which, by the way, David Bell only got six games. I forgot to mention yeah. that. Yeah, he should have gotten at least ten. I think he's got to be right up there with Kella and Garrett because there's no reason why a guy who's tossed out of a game should be able to get back and get involved in an altercation. Do you know why he got six games? Please, yeah, I think you're going to tell me. Well, it was because of his earlier ejection in the game and because it's his eighth ejection of the season, so they deemed him as a repeat offender, and that's the reason he got ejected. Not charging the field and you know trying to attack Clint Hurdle just because he's been ejected a lot this season. So, basically, so the way I'm trying to think of how the Office of Disciplinary Action, or what I don't know what you guys call it in baseball, but... Um, the player safety guy, or Joe whatever. Joe Torrey's what, office. Yeah, Joe Torrey's office. Yeah, um, they're basically looking at it as we well, we gave Clint Hurdle two, so if we give this guy six, it looks like we're we're putting a lot of stock into the suspension for David Bell. Multiplication is at its finest. He got triple the games as Clint Hurdle. That's a lot. That is a lot, but again, but again. It's not a lot in my mind when it comes to this situation. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking too. Is that he he literally got tossed out of a game, came, saw a fight was happening, and came out and got involved in another altercation. Like that should be a 25 game suspension. That's it. Just just like for that charging the field after you've been ejected. Absolutely, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, like. Who knows what he's bringing from that clubhouse? Uh, did, you know, you know, did you know that Cervelli got ejected in the game because he was on the field holding back Clint Hurdle, like protecting him, but because he's on the IL, he wasn't allowed on the field, so they ejected him. Right. So, so I mean, I don't know. It just I, I would think baseball would be smarter about that than, than to just let that happen. So, in my book, Kella still gets 10 games. So does Amir Garrett. Um I'm cool with Yasiel Puig getting three, Kyle Kirk getting three, Jose Asuna getting five. Whoever the other Reds player is got three games. I just can't. Jared Hughes, I think. I think it was Jared Hughes. Um, I think he he got three games as well. I was I would have been cool if Hurdle got zero and maybe just got like a fine in the mail. Cool with that. But David Bell should have had all of those other games combined, what the players had, and put it on his tally. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, we're. I think we're being a dead horse here at this point, but yeah, we need to move on here soon. But yeah, again, he, he, he to get thrown out and get involved in an altercation and be part of the major part of the altercation as well. 
Um, that's easily 25, 30 games, especially in baseball where you're playing every day. Um, that's a month worth of suspensions right there. Exactly. Tom Wilson got 20 in a preseason game. <laughs> yeah, and he elbowed a guy in the head. Yeah, so let us know in the comments on Anchor.fm, whatever you're listening to, or on Facebook or Twitter. We have those, too. Let us know who won the fight, in your opinion. I mean, a lot of the Reds players, I think, really did better work than the Pirates but um, in the fight in general. But in the end, I think the Reds um, manager just should have had the, the biggest punishment of all while everything else was pretty applicable. Um, I already gave my two cents in there with the suspensions. But let, let us know what you think at IC Takes, I-C-E-Y Takes all together. One more. Jeff, we have to move on. I want to get away from this. I can keep going. Yeah. Uh, so do let's get into some trade deadline recap. How's that? Yes. Yes. Let's all do that. All right. Um, so same rules apply folks to the, uh, to the NHL trade deadline show that we did earlier in the year. Obviously there's a ton of moves. We're just going to go over a few of the, uh, the big ones that happened in the, um, in, or, across the league. Um, do we want to make the big splash first or do we want to kind of ease, ease our way into the pool? Save it for last. Like the, like how the deadline did it. All right. So, uh, Couple trades here. One that caught me by surprise was Jesus Aguilar from the uh, Milwaukee Brewers got traded in exchange for Jacob Faria from the um, from the Tampa Bay Rays. That was a one for one deal. Um, this one just caught me off guard, just because that's a power bat that the Brewers could use, and um, and I, I guess the Brewers were looking for a little bo- little bit of bullpen help. So this might be just a uh, a flat out baseball trade per se. Yeah, and what really works here is that the Rays get what you can perceive as a a big bat, a dude that can hit you the long ball when you when you need it most. Like if he can do a job like Jose Osuna is doing right now in the pinch hitting role for the Tampa Bay Rays, they had that shot at securing that number one wild card spot, making a push for the division, depending on how the Yankees do. But you know, Tampa's looking at we we got to at least be second in the division. Like, you cannot go lower than that. So, this could be a way just to get more of that offensive support. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It's a little bit extra pop in their bat, um, in their batting order. Um, maybe maybe that uh, that right-hander helps out the uh, Brewers in the bullpen, but I think uh, Tampa Bay definitely won that trade. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to a dude that can – that was an all-star last year and hit, I believe over 30 home runs or was close to it compared to a bullpen guy. It's always going to look like the team who got the bat won, but in the end, the brewers might win it depending on how well they can rebound from where they're at, where they're at right now, because the bullpen has not been great to them. So uh, let's move on to another one. Uh, This one was pretty interesting. I think it's going to affect, affect this team come playoff time, big time, is uh, the um, the Cubs acquired Tony Kemp from the Astros for Martin Maldonado. Um, the the Cubs, I, I believe they acquired Maldonado earlier in the month to replace uh, Contreras, who was on the IL, who just got back on the IL. But the Tony Kemp pickup, I like a lot. I think that's going to help out their running game a ton uh, come playoff time. I was just about to make that point. You could say he's almost like a Dave Roberts in the making for what Dave Roberts or Billy Hamilton, how he was so effective for the Reds on the base paths. 
Yeah, so it like Tony Kemp can be that that pinch runner late in the game and be the late substitution whether he needs to go infield, outfield. Joe Madden loves to put players in positions that they've never played before, but then they're suddenly great at it for no reason. So Tony Kemp can be that guy. And there's another trade with the Cubs that I wanted to bring up. I don't know if it's already on your list, but the the Castellanos deal, which I thought was even bigger for the Cubs, getting that everyday uh, outfielder that not, not only gives you good play on the field, but can replace Jason Hayward in that lineup, who's so iffy with the bat. Cassiano, a strong swing out there, can really send it out in Wrigley, depending on how the wind is out there, and be a, a big middle-of-the-order bat for that Cubs team. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Um, Cassiano's, like you said, is a great everyday bat, but it also, it's kind of like adding by subtracting for your bench, because Jason Hayward, just like you said, he can be a little iffy with the bat. You never know what you're going to get. Um, but to have that threat, just having that threat on your bench, um, especially being in the National League, you're going to have a bigger bench to, for pinch hit situations. Um, that's a great move for Chicago, and and I think they they ended up being the big winners in the uh, in the National League Central as far as all the divisions. You could say National League as well, and how they performed at the trade deadline um, for for teams that are going to be or at least competing for the playoff spots. The Cubs are one of the teams that did the best in the NL. They also gave up right-handed pitchers that are minor leaguers for the Tigers, uh, Paul Rashawn and Alex Lang in that deal to the Tigers for Nick Cassianos. Yeah, so they, uh, you know, obviously you're going to pay a little bit of a price there for for a name like that. Um, Cassianos leaving the, leaving the Tigers are going to be looking for some prospects and stuff too, so... Um, definitely the Cubs being in win now mode. All right. What's next? Um, we'll go to the big trade that my guys made that, um, which, which trade was that? Um, this one was, I, I guess this is the one we kind of short up on the green, kind of get ourselves, uh, hitting for par here. But, uh, the Detroit Tigers trade right-hander Shane Green to the Braves for left-hander Joey Wentz and outfielder Travis Dermott. Um, this is obviously a move that everybody in the Atlanta area was expecting to happen um, to bo- get us to kind of solidify the closer um, role. Uh, Luke Jackson had been struggling for for the last uh, week or two, and um, going into the playoffs, you have to have that that go-to closer. So to get Shane Green. He was an all-star this year. Um, he's not going to blow you away. He's more of a control guy. Um, there's, I don't think there's one person in Atlanta that's going to complain about this deal. And not only do you get Shane Green, earlier you get Mark Melanson from the Giants in exchange for right-handed pitcher Dan Winkler and minor league right-handed pitcher Tristan Beck. And you also get Chris Martin from the Rangers in exchange for left-handed pitcher Colby Allard, I believe. Yeah, Colby Allard. He was yeah. um, out of out of all the prospects that the Braves moved um, for the deadline. He was like the most well known for in the in the Braves pipeline per se. Um, but it, when you have the the uh, pitching prospects that Atlanta does have, eventually you just got to clear up some space for guys that you have bigger aspirations for so that that's why Colby Allaire ended up getting moved I think the Braves did a great job 
trying to fix a area, an area, and their entire roster, and they did a great job of adding pieces that can be used effectively. Now it's about seeing how the other two names that I mentioned, Melanson and Martin, perform to get to Shane Green, who, did you know, had seven saves in the first 10 games this year, first player to ever do that? I did not know that, no. Yeah, seven saves in the first 10 games of the year. Not bad, not bad. Yeah. So um, he could be Rolay's release man of the year. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I I like the little little uh, award drop there. Um, like but but yeah, with with these moves, um, I I, I got to kind of give a round of applause to Alex Anthopoulos because it's very hard to retool your bullpen on the fly, especially at the deadline when um, where pitching came at such a premium and. With the the way the Mets kind of hijacked the the starting pitching market, that it became all about bullpen arms. Um, to to get some of these names is is a pretty good move on his end. The only one I'm a little iffy on is Mark Melanson because he he has had arm trouble in the past. Um, is he still going to be the guy that he was back in 2014, 2015, and 2013 to a degree? Right. Only time will tell. Yep, we'll have to see. Uh, moving on, um, let's see here. Let's see here. Um, I have one if you're struggling. Go for it. How about the last trade of the day on July 30th where the Reds got starter Trevor Bauer from the Indians. The Indians get Yasiel Puig and minor leaguer uh, left-handed pitcher Scott Moss from the Reds. And they also get uh, players from the Padres. Prospect Fran Mel Reyes, outfielder, left-handed pitcher Logan Allen, and minor league third baseman Victor Nova. And in the middle of all this, the Padres only get minor league outfielder Taylor Trammell, who's basically on the verge of hitting the majors. Fran, Fran Mel Reyes has hit the majors. He made his debut, I believe, on Friday. Um, this was the biggest three-team deal I've seen in a while, and it happened in the midst of that brawl. But, I mean... The Indians really won in this deal. Do you do you think they won out of it more than anything? I think they do. Um, they get the replacement outfielder with Yasiel Puig for the rest of the season to get more power in the bat. You get a future with Fran Mel Reyes. So after this season, excuse me, Puig is gone, and you put Reyes in there. You plug him in there. You get a you get another uh, bullpen arm, one minor leaguer, one ready right now. Um, and then you also get the the minor league third baseman. Depending on how Jose Ramirez continues to play, you have a backup in there. I think they they did the best out of all out of everyone. And because you're getting rid of Trevor Bauer, doesn't mean that you still have Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco as well. I'm forgetting another name. Mike Clevenger is also on that team as well. So Trevor Bauer wasn't even the best pitcher on that team. Yeah, but Corey Kluber's been out all year with with a fractured and arm, and they're for still winning. Sakes. And they're still winning. Yeah, so. I mean they they've had they've had a battle, and who's to say Trevor Bauer hasn't been the uh, been a big part of that? Yeah, but they Trevor Bauer only on one year deals after this, so yeah, good point, think, good point. So I think the Indians made some good some got a lot in return for giving up Trevor Bauer for the rest of the year. I think for a team that's in win-now mode, to get the haul that they got back and to be in a pennant race, to get a guy like Yasiel Puig to win now and the package of prospects they got, I, I'm starting to warm warm up to 
that they they won this deal a lot because who knows what Trevor Bauer is doing next year. You're welcome. So, uh, can can I make the big splash now? Yes. Okay. Um, oh, by the way, the Pirates sent away um, Corey Dickerson for nobody. So that the was the funniest t- funniest tweet I saw. I forget who even posted it, but Grant Grant uh, Brisby retweeted it, and it said after the Corey Dickerson trade was released on what the Pirates got in return, the tweet said "Money for nothing and see dicks for free," relating <laughs> to the relating to the hit by the Dire Straits. Um, money for nothing. There you go. There you so go. So I I about lost it right there. It was it actually put me in a better mood after seeing what the Pirates got in return. So that guy won Twitter for the day. Yeah, he might be my MVP of the week, but I don't, I don't <laughs> know his name, so it's not going to work out. Um, so big splash of the day. This came in right around three o'clock, right? If I if I four o'clock, four o'clock was four o'clock. Deadline. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, around four o'clock, this came in the the Arizona Diamondbacks trade right-hander Zach Granke to the Astros for Corbin Martin, J.B. Bukakis, Seth Beer, great name, and Josh Rojas. Um, basically, this is going to put the Astros and the Yankees in the ALCS, right? It, it has to. The and is, Ast- that, is, that not, is that not like the, the I'm better than you, no, I'm better than you as far as the savages in the box, and then the the arms race that is the uh, the Houston Astros rotation. You could tell this; these would. I'm trying to think something better than the three Musketeers to name these Astros pitchers, but to have Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, and Zach Greinke on the same rotation, you need you better have the best bats in the world, and that's when the Yankees might come in. So this has to be the ALCS. Otherwise, I'm disappointed. Yeah, so I just I, I don't even I don't even know what where I can go off on this because I I just don't see anybody outside of the Yankees giving the Astros any any problems. Like even even in the wild card race, I don't see it. Um, I don't see anybody that even has that pitching depth in a five game series to face those three guys and pitch pitch well enough to not give up any runs because you got to remember too not only do they have a great rotation their lineup is very good as well probably could be right up there at the yankees and who's competing with them i'll, I'll just throw out that bland question who's competing with the, with the um the astros you could argue that the oakland a's because last year they made the late season push but Fell, fell too short, I believe, by two or three games to the Astros, who won 100 games or 102 games, and the A's were right behind them at 99 or 98. So you could argue that Oakland's still there, even though they're eight and a half back right now, but we'll see how much separation the Astros can build in August to maybe put it in relaxation mode. But the Astros also keep control of Zach Greinke up until 2021. So this could be the swan song team for Greinke, who's getting 32 mil a year. Yeah, I mean, he was... Just think of the staff Zach Greinke has been on, too. Like, just... I mean, he was he was on those Dodgers staffs with him and Kershaw, one, two. Um, and then, uh, wasn't he wasn't he on a pretty stud, uh, stud um, rotation with the Brewers, too? 
Was he there with CeCe? He might have been. I, I can look. So, I mean, holy hell. Like, talk about a guy that, like, when he gets moved, like, he gets the destination. Like, holy hell. Yeah, he, he's been the the guy in most of his uh, spots. Because, I mean, let's just throw this out there as I keep looking this up. Would you say Grinky has had a great enough career to be considered a, a first ballot Hall of Famer? Or do you think he's been surrounded by other arms that might have overshadowed him throughout his career? Uh, let me see. Let me pull up his uh, his accolades here real quick. Uh, well, I can tell you now that he has a Cy Young on his name, six-time All-Star, five-time Gold Glove, a Silver Slugger, <laughs> LOL, and a two-time ERA title. Hmm. Totally forgot that he played for the for the LA Angels. Completely forgot about that. Yeah, he was only with the with the Brewers for that uh, half a season, because um, he started in KC for all those years, and that's when he lit it up. He went to Milwaukee yeah. in 2011, was in there in 2012, and then got traded, and then was with the Dodgers, Diamondbacks, and now Houston. I'm gonna oh gee I. I think the book's still open on his hall if he's a Hall of Famer or not. Why do you say that? I don't think the resume is quite there. Well, if we look back on the last couple of years since 2013, let's just go there. When losses isn't the total necessary factor to rate a pitcher, but let's do it anyway. Yeah. 15 and 4 in 2013, 17 and 8 in 2014, 19 and 3 in 2015. That's when he had a 1.66 ERA. 2016, he was 13 and 7. 2017, he was 17 and 7. 2018, he was 15 and 11. 2019, he was 10 and 4. In that 15 and 11 season, he had a 3.21 ERA. In that 13 and 7 year, year, the first year with the Diamondbacks in 2016, he had a 4.37 ERA. Everything else except for one year was below three. I just ha- I I can't put him in the Hall of Fame yet. I well, think he's first very, year because he's gonna make it. Yeah, yeah, I would say he's probably like a third or fourth year Hall of Famer because I always kind of factor in guys that haven't made it yet, and then um, like the one there's there's always one guy every year that kind of is a big pop. That's like the guarantee. Um, so I think he's like a third or fourth ballot to get in. Okay. All right. Well, anything else for the trade deadline? Nope. I think that's it. Like we said, same rules apply. We're not going to talk about every trade, but um, if you want to discuss with something, hit us up on Twitter at IC takes, I C E Y takes. Um, and then, or even on our personals at J Chris underscore 51. At big underscore day 52. Um, I need you to list two teams. I'll do it first. Winner of the trade deadline, loser of the trade deadline. I'm going to say the Chicago Cubs as the winner. They didn't really give up much in return. They're getting some great bats and uh, pinch running. Or I should have just said the team name. Chicago Cubs and loser, New York Yankees. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to say the Atlanta Braves because I, I feel that they got – they filled a need that they they needed, and they didn't kill their 
prospect pool. So the Atlanta Braves are one. The L.A. Dodgers, I'm going to say, is a loser because I thought for sure they were going to try and make a big splash, and they just never did. Um, And I don't know what their bullpen situation looks like or anything. I think it's very much up in the air. So uh, the Dodgers are my loser. Braves are my winner. All right. Is that it for baseball? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into some quick hockey notes real quick before we uh, we send it home here. So uh, a couple stories that came out of the um, out of the news for the NHL. Uh, Kevin Shattenkirk got bought out by the New York Rangers. Um, he had a pretty eventful last couple of years. He was the top uh, top prize at the trade deadline a couple of years ago when Washington picked him up from St. Louis. Um, he ended up signing a big contract with the New York Rangers, um, he, which was eventually bought out um, on the 1st of August. Uh, the final two seasons of his three-year contract got bought out. Um, and then today he signed a contract for one year, $1.75 million with the Tampa Bay Lightning, also known as New York Rangers South. Um, Dave, what, what do you think of this? It's... Pretty impressive that the Rangers don't really see him as a part of the rebuild that they were that they promised. I believe was it the end of like the beginning of the season in 2017 or the middle of the season in 2018. That same season when they put out the letter to the public, letting everyone know that that you know this is a rebuild that we're going through. We're gonna have some tough times, but give it a couple years and we'll be back in there. To have him on the roster for two more years, I thought that would have been a, a great um, a great name to have there as a part of a as a part of a rebuild to have that veteran presence help out the young guys come in and just kind of you know lead the way. Yeah, I, I think this one's tough because um, the the Rangers are still in some cap cap issues. They're trying to free up some cap space. Uh, they got a couple guys that still need signed. Um, and guys, there's guys on your, on your cap. You're not going to move like Henrik Lundqvist isn't going anywhere. He's got no move. Um, just signing Jacob Sherba, Mark Stahl is going to be a tough one to move. Um, so as they're getting younger, they're all, they're also trying to get rid of money. And unfortunately, um, with the buyout that they've kind of taken a pretty big hit on actually, um, here's just a list of their buyout history right now. Uh, they're still on the hook for Dan Girardi for this year, 3.6 million and then 1.1 till 2022, 2023 Ryan Spooner. They're on the hook for, for 300,000 for the next two years. And then Kevin Shattenkirk, they're on, they're on the hook for 1.4 million this year, six, 6 million next year. And then 1.4 for 21-22 and 22-23. So um, they're kind of trying to rebuild on the fly, but, um, you know, with the, the cap relief that they do get, you have to figure there's there's got to be another move um, coming not too far behind. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that maybe Panarin put them in that situation to make moves like cut, buying out Shattenkirk and not just out, outright releasing him or trying to even trade him. But like you said, trying to make sure that you stay under that cap, which the cap didn't go up as much as GMs and executives were expecting, but it still went up. 
Yeah, and um, and not to overlook too, you also have Jacob Truba too that that just signed a seven year, eight million dollar contract. So, um, you know, they're they definitely subtracted, but they also added as well. So, um, I don't know. Like, I I just have a tough time believing in the Rangers that they're they're going to stay pat with any cap relief they get. I feel like they're a uh, kid in a candy store. That once you get that that dollar, you're trying to spend that whole dollar on everything that you can get instead of kind of holding off and see what you can uh, do to rebuild properly. Well, let's talk about the juicy stuff though. After Kevin Shattenkirk signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning, what do you got? Well, Kevin Shattenkirk wasn't too pleased even being quoted as um, oh, I just had it here, so let me back up. <clears throat> even quoted as saying that he was pissed off by the Rangers when the Lightning, uh, or when the Rangers bought him out uh, as he was signed with the Lightning. So, do you think that when the Ra- Rangers and Lightning meet up, is, is Shattenkirk going to maybe deliver some extra hits? Um, no, nah, because I feel like his his grudge here is probably with the front office, not necessarily with the guys in the room. Um, but he dealt with injuries when he was in New York too. Um, and from from reading this article that I saw on on the NHL's website, it seems like it's more of a a guy that that's disappointed a little bit in himself and not getting the backing from the from the club that made the commitment to him and was willing to cut ties that quickly. So um, I don't know. He might play a little bit harder, but I don't think he holds a grudge against any any guys that were um, that are in the room or anything. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that he's mad at particular players on the team, just bringing it out on the organization because you can't do anything to the front office. So you might as well you know, eye up a Panarin or something on there to maybe hurt them for a little bit. Right, right. No, I I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Um, but yeah, so I I don't know for Kevin Shattenkirk. Hopefully, this is kind of like a uh, like a a way to resell himself to the league. He'll hit the free agent market again next year if he wants, or if he ends up having a good enough year where Tampa Bay gives him an extension. But um, for a guy like this, who um, again, like we said earlier. He was the, the top piece at the trade deadline, I believe, in 17 when the Penguins won their second cup. And um, and to fall all the way down to get bought out of the contract that you ended up signing after that summer, um, you hate to see a guy that falls so quickly. So, minus 12 overall in his career, minus 29 the last two years combined. Do you think he even touches positive on the plus minus? Um. I mean, if if Tampa Bay has the year that they had last year, if you don't hit hit the positive side, um, maybe maybe you really need to reevaluate what you're doing defensively because um, the way that they scored last year, there shouldn't have been a minus player on that team. So, all right, I just wanted to hear you. See if he could maybe turn it around this season. Um, we also got some other hockey news, don't we, Jeff? Yeah, so Andre Vasilevsky got a nice little contract that he signed um, over the past week. He got an eight-year, $9.5 million contract, um, basically giving him the same contract as Nikita Kucherov, who was the league MVP last year. Uh, Dave, what do you think about this? Uh, first question, do you think this this kid deserves to be paid the same way as the league MVP? And then, do you are you okay with the amount of money that he's making as a goaltender? 
So because of the offseason that we had with Sergey Bobrovsky being signed with Florida, I believe that has now rose and has now risen the salary for goaltenders who are actually pretty damn good. So you could say that I could say that Vasilevsky, especially with the year that he had last year, um, pretty much you could almost say deserves it. Um, now, along with that, he's only been in the seat, been in the league since the the Penn's first cup, so four years now. Yeah, yeah. So um, he's had he's basically been on the rise, you could say, except for that one playoff series last year against Columbus to show that he's probably the best goaltender out there right now with his age and how he performs out there. So the Lightning are just basically trying to take control of that for the next couple seasons. I don't blame the Lightning for doing this. I think that goalies kind of get overshadowed when it comes to that MVP talk. So I'm all right with this signing. The only thing that worries me, and you can ask our friends up north in Montreal about this, is investing so much into a goaltender with with that much of a cap hit. Um, he's due to make $3.5 million this year, and then that's when his new deal kicks in in 2020-2021. Um, I mean, this team's deep, but I, I, I just get baffled every time. I mean, you, you still have Braden Point that is uh, – that needs to be signed as an RFA. Um, I just, I just don't get where they're they're finding this cap space um, to get moves done. Uh, just from from the top here, you got uh, Kucherov, as we said, nine and a half million over eight years. Stamkos, eight and a half million. Palat, five point three. Yanni Gord, five point one. Tyler Johnson, five even. Alex Kalorn, five four five, or four four five. Sorry. Um, and then you have Victor Hedman at seven eight and Ryan McDonough at, at six seven. So um, I just don't get you know you you have all these big contracts and then to ju- to just throw nine and a half million in Andre Vasilevsky's way where has he really done a whole lot in the NHL really? I mean he he didn't get them to the conference final uh, when they played Pittsburgh and then um, got knocked out of the first round against. Uh, Columbus this year when they're the, the the very heavy favorites. Yeah, I mean, you could say that he does have a Vesna on his resume now. So when it comes to contract time, that's going to be brought up. That that it's a very good point, but I mean, look at look at Montreal. I mean, they they struggle to with the cap space that they got right now, and they're paying carry they're paying carry price around the same uh, price tag. The GM of the Lightning is quoted by saying, when you don't have elite goaltending, you're chasing it. So it looks like they're they're behind Vasilevsky. And honestly, I don't blame him because when you have consistent goaltending, I mean, let's just look at the winners the past uh, couple of years. It kind of goes against my argument. You have Jordan Bennington coming as, out as a rookie, right? Yep. You have Braden Holpe, who's been in the league for how long? Since 2010-ish, give or take. Yeah, so you could say that he's a grizzled vet at that point. Yep. Uh, yeah, Matt Murray winning his second cup in his rookie year. It's weird basically, because the year basically, before. Basically had the same road as Jordan Bennington. Kind of came in midway through, solidified a team. Off right. 
Corey Crawford wins his second one with the Blackhawks in 2015, and Jonathan Quick wins his second with the with the LA Kings. Um, I think the point that I'm trying to make is that when you have that that young talent that's basically on the cusp, you find a way just to lock it down. I'm okay with Vasilevsky getting more money than you could argue more money than he deserves. Because I think because of what happened with Bob's, the price went up for goaltending. So I'm all right with the Lightning signing, locking down Vasilevsky. I do get your point about making the argument with Montreal, but it's, you could just be optimistic and say this is a different situation. So we'll see how yeah, it goes. I would, but I, I feel like the, the difference in the situation, though, is that when Carey Price signed his contract, um, he didn't get tossed out of the first round of the playoffs by the last seed in, in his conference. I, I think that's the biggest issue that I have with it right now is that, um, you know, you kind of had your, your cakewalk the whole way through through the season, and then when it came down to crunch time, you know, you, you can say the team in front of them didn't play, but at, at the end of the day, playoff time, you just need a big save, and I don't think they ever got that from them. All right. Let us know what you think. Are the Lightning stupid by making this move, locking down a goalie at that big a price for that many years? Let us know on our Facebook page or our Twitter page, on our own personal Twitters. We'll get that after our MVPs. Cause I, I, is that it for us, Jeff? That is it. That's all I got for hockey talk right now. We're not ready for previews until about, um, I don't know, probably once training camp hits next month. So we'll keep an eye on the, the hockey news. But um, Oh, I don't know if we brought this up or not. I could be wrong on this, but the uh, the Devils acquiring Nikita Gutsev from the um, from the from the, the uh, from the Knights. Yeah, did we talk about that last week? Yeah, we did that last week. Okay, never mind then. We don't have to talk about it again. <laughs> All right, Jeff, you got your MVP. I do, and you know what? It's an MVP this week. Oh wow! All it, right, it's, it, I'm not yelling. Applause. I'm not going to yell at clouds this week. All right, so, I, like, I like that. Let's do it. So down in Atlanta this week, uh, they they held what they like to call Hank Aaron Week. So they honor Hank Aaron, what he did in the community of Atlanta for the Braves organization and everything. Um, and with this week, they always bring out like the 1970s Atlanta Braves jerseys that are like the white with the blue with the feather on the the um, the sleeves. Do you know which ones I'm talking about? I believe so. I think so. But go on. But anyway, so uh, my MVP of the week is retro jerseys and when teams actually wear them because um, it kind of just brings back memories of watching teams. And obviously, I don't have one with the Atlanta Braves in those jerseys. But um, like when the Penguins brought back the jerseys that they wear now, like you remember, um, you know, you think of the glory days with Lemieux, Francis, Yager, Barrasso. You think of all those guys that played in that jersey before and now for the team to bring it back in honor the history that that has come with with those jerseys um my mvp of the week is 100 percent retro jerseys and teams that actually bring them out and actually wear them all right it's nice to see that you're smiling what i'm assuming yeah yeah <laughs> i can't see you right now so i just it's look, look it, it's, it's it's weird i'm not used to smiling this much all right so all right my mvp is going to go to the the houston astros pitching staff on i believe friday night I can't even remember when it was. Uh, now, now I'm blanking here. Oh my god! But anyway, the Houston Astros threw a no hitter against the Seattle Mariners, and it was a combined no hitter. Um, I, I believe there were there were four pitchers in the mix for that no hitter, and it was the first one since our boy earlier in the season, Mike Fires, 
the first no hitter by the Astros since 2015 when Mike Fires threw his first career no hitter. So this week is going to go to the Houston Astros for throwing that no hitter against the Seattle Mariners. And yep, I, I have the article up here right now. It's four Astros that combined for it, uh, starting with Aaron Sanchez, who made his debut with Houston after the deadline. And in the win, it was Sanchez with the first six, followed by relievers Will Harris, Joe. Uh, wow, I always struggle with his name. Biagini. I'm taking a shot in the dark there. And then uh, Chris Davinsky came in there. So no hitter for the Houston Astros, one of the best teams in the majors. They're the MVP of the week, those four pitchers. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So you go with the no hitter, guys. I like that pick. Thank you. I appreciate that. So is that it for us? Can we get out of here? Yeah, I think so. You can follow us on Twitter at Icy Takes, I-C-E-Y Takes. You can follow us or like us on Facebook. You can also follow us on our personal Twitters at Big underscore Day 52. At Christ underscore 51. Like our Lord and Savior, amen. Always remember that you can donate to us through Anchor.fm. There's a little donation link in there. You can also send us personalized uh, voice messages and comments and we can discuss them on the next show. Um, you can listen to us as well on other platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, everything else that Anchor.fm distributes for us. But he's Jeff. I'm Big Dave. Hopefully we're better next week, and we'll see you then. Stay icy, people. Love you guys.